0: The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, Grove Church. How are we today? Enjoy Christmas season so far. It's not over yet. Don't think it's over yet, okay? It's not the end of December. Christmas is still alive. I hope Christmas is still alive at your house. Uh, If not, you should repent of that today before you leave. just kidding. Um, Christmas season. I love it. I hope you had a great, uh, chaotic, but fun season with your family and friends. Uh, we are wrapping up uh, this Christmas series called Home for Christmas. My name is Aaron. If I've not had the chance to meet you yet today, uh, so honored that you would take time to be part. Of one of our services here. Uh, we're gonna be in the book of Revelation because I figure what better way to end the year uh, than in the last book of the Bible. So you're welcome for that. You can turn into your Bibles to chapter 21. We'll spend a few moments in there. As you're doing that, uh, I do wanna take a few moments and highlight for you something that we value here at the Grove Church uh, and we try. Uh, to make it as easy and obvious for you as possible uh, to join us in this endeavor to read through the Bible together in a year. Uh, And so we, every year, put out a plan, and we have a new plan because the new year is coming. Come on. Uh, if you've if you stuck with us so far, we're wrapping up the last few days of 2019, and we're getting ready for 2020. And so I uh, would love for you to join us this year uh, reading together through the Bible. Uh, there's a new plan uh, that's called the 49-Week Challenge. Uh, we have booklets available in the lobby to the right in the area called The Hub. Uh, you can ask for a booklet. I even think last service, uh, The Hub hosts were hand, holding onto the booklets just to give them out quickly. So you're welcome to grab that. Uh, if you follow along with the YouVersion Bible app... You can look up the 49-week challenge. And here's something new that is with this reading plan this year. Uh, obviously, if you do the math, 52 weeks is not 49 weeks. So when we say 49-week challenge, you're like, well, what will happen to the other weeks? Uh, I'm glad you asked that question, so let me answer it. <laughs> Simply put, we're going to take 49 weeks and read through the Bible together. How this plan works is for six days, there's a reading plan. There's books and, and passages to read together. Uh, and then the seventh day is a day where you kind of reflect. You'll take a moment. It'll, they'll have a verse that you highlight that you've read throughout that week. And it's just a time to reflect on the previous week's reading. Uh, and I encourage you to do that. I like the idea of taking some time to respond and reflect because sometimes in so many passages, it gets too much. Uh, so I would love for you to join us uh, in doing that. It is a phenomenal week. It will end De- It is a phenomenal plan. It will end in December. On December 6th will be the last day, which then shifts into an Advent plan that we'll put out as we get closer to Christmas next year because it's coming, people. Christmas is on the way. Um, so we'll do a reading plan Advent together. Uh, I think I saw a post yesterday, or today, 363 days or whatever until Christmas 2020. So uh, start planning. Start getting those Christmas decorations ready. Um, so... Anyways, I would love for you to join us. We, we really do believe in the Bible. We think it's a valuable priority that we as Christians should be engaging in on a daily basis. So join us this year if you would love to. If you need help with the smartphone app, U version, come talk to me after service. I'll help you get that downloaded and set up well. So uh, Revelation 21, we're wrapping up this series uh, where we're talking about the idea of heaven is our home. Uh, which should change the way we view and live in today's world, in our lives as we see them. Uh, The one thought I would say is this, when heaven is our home, we see things differently. Uh, So I want to read Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4, and then share a few thoughts, and then send us to uh, the afternoon. So it says this, chapter 21, these are the words of John, who is the beloved disciple who was, was a, there was an attempt to kill him. He didn't die, so he was exiled to a place called Patmos. And this is a vision that the Lord gave him, and he documented it through the Book of Revelation. And at the end, it says this: Chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I love that imagery. It says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And then one verse that many of us may be familiar with is such a hopeful verse. It says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. Let's pray today for God's word. Lord, thank you today for who you are. God, you are faithful. You are good. You are loving. You are just. And Lord, today I simply ask that you would speak to our hearts through your word today as we wrap up this series. Lord, may it not be a series that we leave at Christmas time, but may it be a series that has really challenged each of us to carry the hope that we have in Jesus, the Messiah, into our everyday lives. Lord, as we talk about home and eternity, God, I pray today there would be an anticipation and also a response to the truth and the hope that you've given us in Jesus. Holy Spirit, where my words fall short, where my experiences fall short, thank you that you're faithful to fill in the gaps for every heart here today. Speak to us, lead us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. When heaven is our home, we see things differently. I love this passage because I I do think it is very beautiful. I do think it is very uh, graphic in helping us have a visual of something we don't really have much more of a grasp of. I don't think you and I will be able to fathom until we get to eternity, really the depth and the vibrancy of this passage. But John is painting a picture for you and I. He says, a new heaven. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. He's talking about this picture of what's going to happen. This isn't an upgrade. How many times do we upgrade our, our technology or upgrade our wardrobe or update our, upgrade our vehicles? We, we move from one old model to a newer model until that newer model runs down only to get thin new models. See, denim jackets, they're back in style. I remember when I was in high school, they were in style and they went out of style. Now they're back. And I would say better than ever. So, you know, my wife's wearing hers. So a, a couple that's matching is one destined for eternity. So it's going to be awesome. But well, we upgrade our models. The thing that John is saying is, is this isn't an upgrade. It's not an upgraded earth. It's not an upgraded heavens. It's a totally transformed paradise. In Genesis, we get a picture about paradise. In Genesis, we get a glimpse of this paradise that existed until sin entered the world. And you and I don't have to look very far beyond ourselves to realize that sin is still rampant in our world that there is still darkness happening. And what John is alluding to is a time that will come where God shows up and totally transforms the world we understand and see. It's going to be something brand new, never been seen before, where we only get glimpses of it in the Old Testament and it's alluded to in the New. This isn't, hey, Earth 2.0, awesome. It's a total transformation of the world as we know it, a new heaven and a new earth. Then he says this, which is interesting, and I didn't, I didn't really pick up on this until this last week when I was studying, but the, it says the sea is disappeared, has disappeared. In this vision, John sees the sea is no longer gone. See, the, the biblical audience in that moment would realize and understand the sea it, it carries the, the understanding of darkness and evil. We see in the, in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the, the darkness The sea is this picture of evil. It's of darkness. And in Revelation, John talks about this great enemy, this great dragon, this great comes up out of the sea. And in this new heaven and new earth, there's no more evil. There's no more darkness. If nothing else you hear today, that's something to be hopeful about. That's something that you and I as followers of Jesus can say, man, I'm included in this new heaven and new earth because I'm part of God's family. We literally can read this and be like, Man, there's no more evil. Come on, like this is going to be joyful. It's going to be remarkable. It's going to be incredible. John tells of a time where Jesus is going to transform the earth and the heavens, and he's going to rush in a new, new eternal kingdom. He doesn't stop there. He continues on in verses two and three. He says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride. Beautifully dressed for her husband. Think back to your wedding day for a minute, gentlemen. Think back to that moment where for some of you, the first time you saw your bride was coming down the aisle. One of my favorite moments at weddings, whether I'm officiating them or I'm just attending them, is the moment the bride enters is to, say this carefully, ignore the bride and pay attention to the groom. Because the response says a lot. I'm thankful today in my wedding that I had multiple photographers that could capture my face as well as the beauty of my bride. But it's that moment where, as John is saying, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband, I see the city of God. See, the biblical audience would again remember the city of Jerusalem would be indicative of God's residence. It's God's home. When he says there's bringing a new Jerusalem, he's literally saying, I'm going to reside with my people again. In the Old Testament, we see this through the tabernacle. We see this through the temple. And it says when the tabernacle was built, before they became inhabitants of the promised land, they had a mobile church, if you will, a mobile temple. It's where God would reside. It's where God, the glory of God descended on this tabernacle. It's where he lived among his people. And then when they moved into the promised land and King David had this vision of wanting to build the Lord a temple, King Solomon, his son, then executed and built the temple for the Lord. It says the glory of the Lord descended on this temple. It's a residence. It's a marker that says, man, the city of Jerusalem is God's city. That's where God resides. Throughout ancient times... All of the the Jewish population would travel from afar, which is even stories we've read about Joseph and Mary going to a census or or going up to worship God. We see these different conversations where they pilgrimage to the city of Jerusalem to offer sacrifices, to worship the Lord. And then we see in the New Testament, Jesus comes, tears the veil, where you and I are now declared to be temples of the Holy Spirit, where we carry God's Spirit with us where we have proximity with him because of his spirit. But there's a time coming. The home that we're called to is this moment where God will not just transform the earth and the heavens, but will bring his home, the city of God down to earth to be with his people. I remember as a kid, when I first became a Christian, I understood in my innocence that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I get to go be with God. And I remember as a kid, I, this is just whatever memory. I remember, like, I, I used to love Legos, so I, I'd build guns out of Legos. I remember asking my mom, "Will I be able to build a gun out of gold? Because my just remember as a kid, one of the things you learned. But I remember thinking I would go to be with God. But the truth of the matter is, we see in Scripture here, and we see throughout the entirety of Scripture, God works overtime to come to us. Not because we're the priority, but because he, his heart and desire is so much for us. He brings his home to earth, this new earth and new heavens. Jesus shows up and ushers in a new kingdom that is united by a sacrifice and the Holy Spirit bringing all of his people together in one family, if you'll let me say it that way. I intentionally use the word church family because it's no longer about my name. It's no longer about the dens. It's no longer about the bomb guards or the riches. It's about God's family. I'm a child of God. My identity is rooted and established in him alone. He shows up. He comes. He brings his home down to earth. Once again, to be with his people. And he invites you to be part of his family. I have this picture that I, I oftentimes go back to when I think of the holidays. And some of you, this is not like a fun picture, but it's still a picture nonetheless where everybody's gathered around one table. I remember in my, my family, we would, my dad would buy a, a big old sheet of plywood and put it on our, their little table. So when all the kids and their spouses came over, we all would have a place to sit at the table. I want to believe and I trust the same. When God shows up, he wants us all to be in community together. There's this value, there's this beauty of being home with our everlasting Father, with a God who loves us, who created us, who sees so much value in us. And he extends an invitation to you and me, not because we deserve it, but because Christ redeemed us and has extended the invitation. John doesn't stop there. He continues to give us a glimpse of what this home looks like with God. And in verse 4, which is a very familiar verse for many of us, says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone for a moment. Forever. Think about that for a minute, please. No more crying, no more tears, no more death. What are the things in your lives that you have found evoke tears, evoke pain, evoke sorrow? And I'm not trying to be insensitive to you because I believe God who says, the word says he's rich in mercy, will comfort you, is present with you. But the hope you and I cling to is that what is happening in this world and in our lives is not the end. But that because of what's coming, I can endure. I can stay. I can stand fast that this hope is meant to be, as Hebrew tells us, an anchor for our souls That no matter what storm, no matter what trial, and no matter what problem comes our way, you and I can stand firm because of the hope we cling to in Jesus alone, not my situation. That you and I can stand firm because God is bigger than the mountain that I face in front of me. The home that he promises, the home that he brings, is one that brings an invitation to sit at his table with him. That's the hope. That's the home we get to anticipate, not just because of this Christmas season and being home for Christmas, but because as followers of Christ, this is not it. The Bible calls us all aliens. This is not where we're supposed to live. As children of God, this is not our permanent residence. I love verse 4. Because it proclaims that God's presence guarantees that there will be no more sin, which causes death and mourning, crying and pain. God will comfort you and I and remove the sorrows of the past and will protect his people so they will never again experience the result of sin. You and I have hope today because of the home God is preparing for you and I. Knowing that this is our hope is not meant to be an encouraging thought. You shouldn't leave here to be like, man, that's such a good thought. Yeah, heaven's my eternal home. I'm excited about heaven when it comes and that's going to be awesome. No, it's meant to be a provoking challenge. It's meant for you and I to walk and be like, wait, wait a minute, wait, wait. If heaven's my home and there's going to be no more sorrow, no more grief, no more pain, 36 years old, I just turned 36. I was kneeling down playing a game with my son, and all of a sudden my knees started hurting. I mean, painful. Like, I cried, if you know, I didn't really cry. But that little glimpse of pain that was right here for a while, I was like, God, I don't want that. I don't have to worry about that. I can crawl down and play on my knees with my kids, whatever, when, when I get my new body, whatever it looks like. But the reality simply is this what you and I cling to is not meant to be hoarded. I used to think all the time, like, I can't wait. For hope, I just want Jesus to come again. It's meant to be shared. The challenge is where you and I are called to invite others to extend the same invitation we received, we're meant to extend it to others. It's not, it's not good enough to hoard it. And I wish I could tell you that the majority of my life has been spent sharing this, this hope and sharing this good news. I've found the majority of my life has been hoarding and holding back. And that's not what we're called to. Matthew 28 is clear. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not like, hey, if you feel like it, go tell the world about this hope that I have. He says, go therefore into all the world. When I tell my son or my daughter to go do something, you know what I'm expecting them to do? To do what I told them to. Hey, can you pick up the Lego I just stepped on? Because I want to punch a wall. Pain. No more pain, Lord. No more pain. I'm going to do a Lego walk in eternity. back. like, what now? No, I'm just kidding. No more pain. When I tell my kids to do something. And it's not even always like, you need to do this or you're in timeout. But hey, can you, can you put your shoes in your room, please? I expect them to do it. I want them to do it. When they don't do it, then I have to get more stern. Gideon, listen to your mother. It's not a suggestion, boy. I have flashbacks of my dad coming in my ears. Listen to your mom. Yes, sir. Matthew tells us in chapter 28, verse 19, go therefore unto all the world. As followers of Christ here today, it's your mission it's your responsibility. It's the command God has given you today and me today, to go into all the world, to share the hope that we have, to make an invitation so they could to join us when God comes back, transforms the earth and the heavens, and, uh, and invites us to be home with Him. How are you doing with that? When's the last person? You were able to meet in their moment and pray with or encourage or just listen. This hope that you and I are given changes the way we see things. But it also is meant to be shared. As I was thinking about this today, I have to to be honest and confess, I'm not the greatest at this. But I know I love people, and I know I can love people well. And God has shifted my paradigm and how I share the hope that I have. It's will I love them well. There's a few months ago, a year, or maybe a year ago, we were, uh, we were going on a visit. I was with Pastor Nick. And one of the things, I said, and I think I've said this before, but I just want to say it again. We're just here to love people. That's, it, that's all it is. When we think about sharing this, this hope, when we think about sharing the, the, what Christ has done in my life, it's, it's loving people well because we've been loved well. It's allowing, and it's allowing the Holy Spirit to leverage our stories. We're talking in the front row. pastors, have you ever grieved before? Share how my comfort helped you. Have you ever been in a loss? Share how I gave you wisdom or helped provide. Have you ever felt hopeless? Share the hope that you have. It's not preachy. It's not getting up with the Bible and asking people to turn to Revelation 21. Don't start there, please. (laughs) Actually, you could. That's actually a really great passage. Don't start earlier in Revelation. But it's not not becoming Pastor Aaron or becoming one of the pastors and preaching a 30-minute message. It's understanding God has called you to people intentionally and strategically to leverage your stories, to leverage the work that he's done in your life. To be present and love well. My question becomes, how are you doing at that? Even further, who's the last person you shared this hope with through your story? I, I wrote this question down as I was thinking about kind of coming to a point of just closing a message is this how do I if I'm in your shoes and I'm hearing this message that I feel like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me as well Lord how do I offer truth and hope of life with God to the people I'm sent to because make no mistake today if you're a follower of Christ in this room you've been sent strategically and intentionally your coworkers are not by accident your neighbors are not by accident your family I know you wish it was by accident, but it's not by accident. The traffic you sit in to and from work or to and from a destination is not by accident. Do you believe that? How you respond to someone cutting you off is one way to share the love of Jesus with them. And not by telling them they're number one. See, there's the nervous laughter in, in the midst of the laughter. Laughter. And I I know, I know the difference, how you respond to your kids when they inconvenience you. I'm the worst at this. How are you sharing the love to the people you've been called to because you've been called to them? Your neighbors who cut their hedges and then drop their clippings in your yard and don't come and pick them up? Your coworkers who you just don't see it eye to eye with and you have major personality conflicts? It exists. It happens. It happens. Your bosses, the employees underneath you who don't do what you ask them to do, which creates more work for you. Your family members who don't talk to you. Your family members who think you're ridiculous for for believing in this thing called Jesus. It's a person, not a thing. It's still a noun, I guess, so it works. But how are you doing at sharing this hope that you have? I have a few thoughts for you. In answering this question, how do I offer this truth and hope of life? Number one, remember why. Great Commission, Matthew 28 19, you're called to it. And I'm thankful today that scripture reminds us as well that he who calls is faithful to equip. He'll give you what you need. Just be obedient and go and do. You're called. That's why, because Jesus says, therefore go. Second thing, because this is my struggle, understand you're not offering them yourselves. I sometimes wrestle, i got to give them the best version of myself so they'll come to know Jesus. It's not about you. In my pride, I think it's about me. In my pride, it's like, well, what if they reject me, Lord? What if they make fun of me? What if they hurt my feelings? You know I believe God's response to that is? It's found in one of the Gospels. You will face trials in this world. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Our hope resides in Jesus alone, not in someone's response to us. And if we need someone's response and approval of us, we are missing the beauty and fulfillment of the gospel in our lives. The only fulfillment we need is from Jesus alone. Remember, it's not you who you're giving them. It's the one who's transformed you. You don't need to be the best version of yourself. You need to be the one transformed by Jesus so you can offer freely the same transforming power and grace that you've received. And the final thing I would remind you is this. It happens naturally. You don't need to march into work tomorrow morning. Like, hey, I've got something to tell you all. But it's being present and aware of moments that the Holy Spirit will spark and stir inside of you. Have you grieved before? You can meet someone in their grief. Hey, can I, as awkward as it is, trust me, can I just pray for you? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, right now. Like, oh, you mean right now? Yeah, I guess. You meet them in the moments they're in, not where you think they should be. Remember, God came down to us. We need to meet people where they're at as well. It's not it's not magic. It's being aware and present and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide every step you take from this moment forward. The last thing I'll say is this, and then I want to pray. This thought has just been stirring, being challenged in me for the last few weeks. And oftentimes we wait, okay, the new year, that's a great time to start. It's a great time to remember and to be mindful and to be intentional and encourage my coworkers to be with my family or reach out to my family. And I believe that there's a thought today that is simply this. Don't don't wait for the new year to start what you need to start in the new year. Start now. Finish the year how you want to start the next. If you need to be more prayerful, start praying now. If you need to be more aware, pray for awareness now. Let's build momentum, just like the Seahawks will do in the playoffs, right? Build momentum today that will carry them maybe a game or two in. You have to continue momentum. You can't expect one day we carry you all the way through. I got you all back in with a Seahawks reference. You're welcome. But how are you doing in sharing the hope that God's given you? And where do you need to start? Are you willing to share it even with those you don't want to share it with? Let me pray for you today. God, you know every heart in this room. You know our circumstances. You know the difficulties. You know the hope that we need to be reminded of in you. And Lord, today I thank you that the home that you're preparing is far greater than the home we're living in now. Would you give us a greater perspective and a greater understanding of the hope we get to hold to? And I pray today you would give us a courage and a willingness to be aware and to be prayerful about the moments you may lead us, to share this hope with those around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.